5. Hear my just cause, O Lord, attend to my cry. Give ear to my prayer, which is not from deceitful lips. Let my vindication come from your presence. Let your eyes look on all the things that are upright. You have tested my heart. You have visited me in the night. You have tried me and found nothing. I have purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. Concerning the works of men by the word of your lips, I have kept away from the path of the destroyer. Uphold my steps in your paths that my footstep may not slip. Yeah, what is David's just cause? Well, he claims to be walking uprightly with the Lord, and we'll talk more about how we relate to that as New Testament believers who understand that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God uh, and, and the light that we have in the New Testament to shine upon this. But what you can take from this very clearly as a New Testament believer is that even when you know you're in the right Even when you know you are in the right, seek your vindication from God. Now, you can be a Christian, and you can know that you're in the right, and that can lead you to being very self-righteous, which is not a good thing. We are to seek our vindication from God. You know, the, man's who, the man who is his own uh, lawyer, and the Bible speaks clearly in many, I'm, because of the time, I'm not going to go through about every subject, every verse I could to do an exhaustive study, but there's many verses that tell us not to be our own defender, but to let God be our defender. And even David is doing that. He also... By the way, he also prayed in Psalm 7-3, which we read some weeks ago, if I've done this, if I've done wrong that's bringing them on me, let them get me. He says that in Psalm 139, he says later, he'll say, you'll read it later, search my heart and see if there would be any wicked way in me. So this isn't all the way David prays. It's one of the way he prays. And he says here, don't let me my steps in your path uh, from these wicked destroyers in verse 4 that I won't slip. Sounds a lot like, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Doesn't that relate? Both evil around us, deliver us, Lord, yes, but evil within us, deliver us from that. 6 through 14, I have called upon you, for you will hear me, O God, incline your ear to me and hear my speech. Show your marvelous loving kindness by your right hand. Uh, By the way, Jesus is called the right hand of the Father, and he's not only at the right hand, but many times in the verses you'll see that. I'll continue. Show your marvel in you for those who rise up from those who rise up against them. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me under the shadow of your wings from the wicked one who oppresses me, from my deadly enemies who surround me. They have closed up their fat hearts with their mouths. They speak proudly. They have now surrounded us in our steps. They have set their eyes crouching down to the earth. As a lion is eager to tear his prey and like a young lion lurking in secret places, arise, O Lord, confront him, cast him down, deliver my life from the wicked with your sword, with your hand from the men, O Lord, from men, O Lord, from men who who of the world who have their portion. 
They are satisfied with children and leave the rest of their possessions for their babies. As for me, I will see your face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake in your likeness. Now you remember that we're trying to do an overview of Psalms and not detail every single Psalm, each and every verse. And I'm only doing two because Psalm 18 is the third longest Psalm and it's a wonderful Psalm and we're doing 17 and 18 today. So we've restrained ourselves. (laughs) So confidence and hope, trusting God to preserve him, he cries out nonetheless because his enemies seek to destroy him. Where he says, beware of the tricks of the enemy, the devil, who is like, Satan is like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith. David had physical enemies who were trying to stop him from becoming king. Then he becomes king, and he had enemies that rose up to try to stop him from being the king that God intended him to be because God would bring, who would God bring through David? Come on, VBS kids. Who would God bring through Jesus? Uh, through God. Okay, I goofed it up anyway, yeah. And so, um, but, but this is very interesting. In verse 13, and I'm going to take the liberty to briefly develop a thought that I think it needs to be discussed. It's, in, it's every day in the news. We don't try to beat up with the news every single week, do a st- talk about what's going on in culture, what's going on in culture, so that we just beat it like a dead horse and are reacting constantly. Okay, we want to get the Word of God in us so that we can be strong to help love people and share Jesus with them and help them out of their trouble. So with that heart, I will mention this. In verse 13, Arise, O Lord, confront him and cast him down. Deliver my life from the wicked with your sword. Your sword. In the New Testament, what is the sword likened to? The Bible, the Word of God. Ephesians 6.17 tells us, Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. In Hebrews 4.12, it says, For my word is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing between the dividing of bone and marrow, but really speaking spiritually, thoughts and intents of hearts. (laughs) I should go here. God knows how to separate what you're thinking or the thoughts that are flowing through you from your real intention. That's both in the positive when you're really trying, and that's in the negative when you're really pretending. And it's not to get you. It's not to get you. If God wanted to get you, you'd have been got a long time ago. God wants to help you and help me get over ourselves. I can say this, and I know that it's 100% true. I don't know what I'm going to face tomorrow or in the tomorrows to come. It could get really bad for me. How do I know it won't? Still, my biggest problem in life is me. It's the me that resists and rebels against God and tries to go my own way. It's the me that thinks I already know. It's the me that gets dull of hearing and closes off and is tempted by sin. That's my biggest problem. It's not you. Sometimes you hear a pastor talk like his church because they struggle. Like, I'd be doing great if it wasn't for these dumb people I have. Man, get a different job. You, you're missing it. 
And sometimes you hear Christians say, I'd be just great if it wasn't for the world I live in. Are you really so sure about that? Your biggest problem is the same as mine. I didn't point fingers at you. I told you my problem. I'm just including you. You don't have to like it. Try to prove it to me from the Scripture that you're not your biggest problem. Every single one of us. No exceptions. It makes you, it can humble you and help you be more helpful to people because you're not constantly judging them. You're caring about them. So, the, the Word of God penetrates our hearts, but do we, people like me, preachers who are still preaching God's Word, because not all are, you know that. Do we make too much about the Word of God, the Word of God, the Word of God, the Word of God? Man, I'm broken record, man. You guys are so into the Bible. You're so into the Word of God being the answer. Hmm. Well, we've always had sin as everywhere in history, but why is our culture crumbling? And like I said, this would require a longer study to talk in detail, but just, just, just you go to Genesis 1-1, the word of God, the first sentence ever said, God spoke. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So that gets rejected. We don't have a creator. We came out of nothing, which means we can do anything we want because nothing matters because we came out of nothing now we're something, and we can be whatever something we want to be. My identity, you, who, you young people who have friends are searching for their identity, and it's an identity that you just get to make up by whatever you feel. You need to help them analyze. If you think it all emanates from just inside of you, whatever you feel, your feelings are going to change. Your feelings are going to change. We're not here just to tell people, you're wrong, and I'm right. The Bible says this, boom, and we think, well, I did a great job. I really reached them. Now, there's a time to just speak the word. I get that. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the word. No, he didn't. Oh, you're so simplistic. You're saying all our problems came because we reject that? You're so, oh, you pastor guys and you Christians, you're so simplistic. Okay, we'll just move ahead to verse 27 of chapter 1 of Genesis, the word of God. So God created God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. It is just so basic and so simple, and yet it's cast aside, and how long does it take for chaos to ensue? Well, you're living it, you're seeing it every day, and we care about people. We're not just, there's, there's like diabolical forces behind it, and there's people being trampled under it. And if you're hearing me and understanding me, you're not being trampled under it, so don't act like you're being trampled under it. Act like you're somebody who has an answer to help and love people. Be that way. Don't allow that to control you. It's me against the world, us four and no more. Be bigger than that. God's made you bigger than that to be able to love people and help people as you tell them the truth patiently, and kindly, and try to help them see the need for identity and where to go with it, rather than just tell them they're wrong and be mad at them. That's not what this church is ever going to be about. So if that's how you want to be, you'll have to go someplace else, and there's plenty of places that that's their defense. And I do believe in being strong about truth, and you know that. 
but speaking the truth in love. The Health Encyclopedia from the University of Rochester, New York, which what they're going to say here is common science understanding. Go to any document of any publishing of any medical and scientific research that for the last forever years, and they all say the same thing, okay? It's not Christian. It's science. It's not Christian science either, okay? Here's what they say. In talking about the the growth of the human brain and children and teenagers. Teenagers, are you ready? You might not like this. It doesn't matter how smart teens are or the ACT test. Good judgment isn't something they can excel in, at least not yet. (laughs) The rational part of a teenager's brain isn't fully developed and won't be until age 25 or so. This is scientists, researchers, common knowledge of science. So now drop it down to a 10-year-old or an 11-year-old or a 7-year-old. How much less? If a teenager is still developing, teenagers, if you want to say to us, I don't think your brain ever developed, Rick, I'll grant you that, okay? (laughs) Let's say I'm a fool in a lot of ways and a foolish old man. What you're going to argue with right now is you're going to argue with all the science, which is where is the science that is arguing with the science and saying kids can know their identity is different. Let's, even if you said that was even possible, gender identity, which we don't, but you know, if you're a teenager, you need to help your friends know, look, so, and if you're an adult, you got friends, so you're eight-year-old, would you let them go to the bank and make a withdrawal and walk across a four-lane highway street and, you know, press buttons and cross the street? Would you let them make decisions about other things in their life? And yet, they're going to let kids make decisions to have their bodies altered? It's, it's a horrific thing, and we all know that. So, again, I'm not shy about it, but we're not here to feed our fire of anger. We're here to find a way to be helpful. So that's a little thought for you to research and think about so you can talk to people about how reasonable is this and what are these problems that we're facing. Do you get what I'm saying? But it all goes back to in the beginning, he made heaven and earth, and he made them male and female. Does it not go back there? So we need that foundation, and we can share that. But you can also be wise in how to reach people and talk with them. All right. His word is a sword, the sword of the spirit. We could go on, but you can follow up on the science. David did not face this exact challenge in his life, but he faced great challenges, didn't he? And he says, God, in verse 8, keep me as the apple of the eye. The apple of the eye is the pupil, the center of your eye. Hide me under the shadow of your wings. Isn't that beautiful? This applies to all who trust God. There's a way that applies to all because Jesus in Matthew 23, 37 said, O Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who are sent to you, which is amazing. They, their own, God's own people killed almost every prophet that came to them from God. And he says, how often I wanted to wring your necks. No, he doesn't say that, does he? You killed all the prophets and I can't wait to kill you, is not what Jesus said. Jesus said, you killed the prophets, 
And all, every single time, how often I wanted to gather you as a mother hen gathers her chicken under her wings, but you were not willing. You were not willing. In the Old Testament, it's full of the shadow of God's wings, being under his shadow of his wings and his care. Jesus didn't just decide to make that up when he spoke in Matthew. What we read in Matthew at the end earlier as the God of the Old Testament, Psalm 36, Psalm 57, Psalm 61, Psalm 63, Psalm 91, all speak of this. And Ruth 2.12, where Ruth comes and sits, lays down at Boaz's feet, to have him cover her and that he would marry her and raise up children to his, the dead husband of Naomi, the, the kinsman redeemer situation. Uh, if you don't know about it, we'll tell you later. The Lord will repay your work, Ruth 2.12. May the Lord repay your work and a full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel under whose wings you have come for refuge. Boaz for her and marry her by that action and he doesn't say he says the lord grant you blessing and reward you because you've come not just to me for help because i'm a rich man but i know that you've come to the lord through this to obey god's word for naomi and her family and to raise up children you are obeying god's word you've come under his wing for refuge isn't that beautiful for ruth it's a husband for naomi it's a redeemer for her family land and name But the picture for us, the church, is God's covenant relationship with us. He's our redeemer. So in verse 15, David sees, As for me, I will see your face in righteousness. I will be satisfied when I awake in your likeness. David sees in part, like all of us only see partially, even to this day. But he's in the Old Testament, and what he sees, he sees that he's going to see God. And that somehow, does he apply it the way we would apply it in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, where it says, when we behold Jesus and understanding him in the New Testament and by the Holy Spirit revealing him, not seeing him physically, but we see Jesus when we see him like as the mother hen gathering the chicks under his wings. You're seeing Jesus, what his heart is, right? We see Jesus by how he reveals himself as the Holy Spirit works in our 2 Corinthians 3, to be like him as we see him. Why read the Bible? It isn't to fill your head with knowledge. It's to let your heart be exposed to and your mind be exposed to the truth of who God is and let him reveal himself to you and fill you with who he is and be changed to be like him. That's what we want. That's what God wants. Or it could be David saying, because he, he doesn't know that's coming exactly. When I awake, like when he awakes in the twinkling of an eye in 1 Corinthians 15, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Got this. Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> you should see the other guy. Um, the twinkling of an eye will all be changed into his glorious body to be like him. Our hope's going to be realized. Our bodies are going to be resurrected and made new bodies like his. And it's not just a physical thing. It's our whole nature is going to be purified and made whole. First John chapter 3 is so beautiful. Beloved, now, right now, we're the children of God. But it doesn't yet appear what we're going to be. But we know that when he appears, we will be like him. We'll be, when he appears and we see him, we're going to be like him, for we shall see him as he is. 
Again, I use the best example I know is that my dog loves me, but he only loves me be- probably because I give him food and do things with him and let him sit on my lap and uh, pet him and whatever, take care of him. I mean, he loves me. My dog loves me, but he does not understand me. He's not like me. You know, you might say, yeah, he's better than you. Well, in some ways he is, <laughs> but he's a dog, okay? He, does, he never tells me, Rick, you know, I heard you speak to Gail really rudely, and I think you should go apologize to her. What you did was wrong. That's why you love your dog so much and your cat. They never correct you for your sinful behavior, and you don't like people because sometimes they do the same behavior you do, and it bothers you. Or you try to, they try to talk to you about your behavior, and you don't like it. And there's other reasons. But, I mean, get over it. It's your, your animal is still an animal. They, they don't see you as you are, and, you don't, and they never will. And you don't see God as he is, but you will. You'll know him. You won't, and I'm not comparing us to dogs. I'm saying that our will be, and I love my dog. Okay, so I don't get letters, but if I got a letter, I'd throw it away, okay? (laughs) So it's like, there's a difference between humans and animals. That's part of the problem that we're dealing with today that's included in the lack of identity, knowing that you're a special creation of God. And And you can still love animals and appreciate them. Well, Psalm 18, verses 1 through 3. To the chief musician, a psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, who spoke to the Lord these words of this song on the day that the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul, which means he was not only delivered from Saul, but then after the after effects of how the kingdom came together, he finally gets straight. And this is also, it's the third longest psalm, and it's repeated in, in, in 1 Samuel 20, 2 Samuel 22 at David's just before his death. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and so shall I be saved from my enemies. Yeah, I will love you rather than I will complain to you. It's about time. How come it took you so long? David's ability to to love God is a gift. And the reason he gives, well, he tells you, because of all the Lord is, my rock, my strength, my fortress, my deliverer, who is worthy, who else is worthy? You know, Corey Ten Boone and Bessie Ten Boone, before Rick Warren made the quote famous later, is you'll never know God is all you need until what? He's all you have. Hear it again if you didn't hear it. You'll never know that God is all you need until God is all you have. Is that true? Let's come back to that. For the pangs of death surrounded me, verse 4 through 6. The floods of, of ungodliness made me afraid. The sorrows of Sheol, which is the grave or hell, surrounded me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress I called him, and my cry came before him even to his ears. You know, it's a pretty powerful thing. David says, God, I, God heard me from his what? His temple. David knew 
that God had a heavenly temple long before he desired to make an earthly temple to worship God in. He also knew that God sat on a throne in heaven, and it wasn't just earthly kings, and that he was just in submission to the King of kings and Lord of lords. Yet, David, knowing that God sat on a throne and knowing that God was in his holy temple in the heavenlies, David still cried out, I've been a Christian 50 plus years, and there are still, I, didn't, I have not achieved a place where I go, I've reached nirvana, I've reached perfection. That's pretty obvious. But it's also where internally in my own mind, I don't say, well, I got this, I know this because God is good and Praise God, everything's wonderful. There are times when I cry out to God, and I'm not ashamed of it, are you? To cry, you know what? I feel sorry, not for people who need to cry out to God for help, but I feel sorry for people who don't see their need to cry out to God. That's what God, it is sad not to need God. If you can get that in your head really clearly and in your heart, you can be more vulnerable with other people and be more free to express yourself when you need to, to listen to others when they have need, to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. And you can just be more free to go, you know, this isn't always about me being something. You know, we're not, a hope that every study isn't this constant. You need to be this, you need to be this, you need to be that. If I do that, pray that first pray for me that I'd stop. But you can confront me too. Like you're constantly just telling us what we need to be. I'll, I'm listening. To, I'll listen to you. I'll try. But really, I'll make that point right here. It's okay to just need God to help you. You're not. Nobody asks you to be Superman or Superwoman. We don't need that. We need real people who trust the living God, not Supermen who show that, too bad you can't be like me. And then they get on their jet. (laughs) You know, like, that doesn't really help. Verses 7 through 19. Listen to the way he describes God helping him. And before you try to figure out how to apply it, before you try to figure out how to apply it, just think about how it's out. We can just be in awe of it. So he cries out to God, and his cry came to God's ear. Then the earth shook and trembled, and the foundations of the hills also quaked and were shaken. Because he was angry, smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. Coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also and came down with darkness under his feet. And he rode upon a cherub and flew. He flew upon the wings of the wind. He made darkness his secret place. His canopy around him was dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. From the brightness before him his thick cloud passed with hailstones and coals of fire. The Lord thundered from heaven and the Most High uttered his voice, hailstones and coals of fire. He sent out his arrows and scattered the foe, lightning in abundance, and he vanquished them. Then the channels of the sea were opened. The foundations of the world were uncovered at your rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of your and the breath of your nostrils. He sent from above, he took me, he drew me out of many waters. He delivered me from my strong enemy, from those who hated me, for they were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He also brought me out into a broad place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. 
Wow. Now, I wouldn't claim to have perfect understanding of how to explain this. I'm in awe of God's answer and response to David. Um, First thing I noticed, David didn't say, but I'll tell you what, I took my slingshot. You know, I know how to use that. And I vanquished myself from all my enemies. And I stomped with my camel, (laughs) you know, and went went riding into victory because I was so powerful. He doesn't say that at all. He, He says, right, Not at the get-go, but at the end of it, he's saying, my enemy was just too strong for me. But I have the God of gods and King of kings and Lord of lords who had no problem. And if David, uh, it's God's response, number one, it's in either as a poetic picture or in a prophecy or in all the ways you could imagine. And I won't say that I know for sure I know it's God intervening and David getting it. When you really get it, waters part. The sky changes. You see things you never saw. When you really get it, you go, you know what? And you say, God's got this. You actually know in your heart that God's got it. And your heart changes. It's different than just the little train that could. I'm trying, I'm, tr- I'm trying to believe, I'm trying to trust. It's okay if you're there and you're trying to trust. But you know, God wants to get us to another spot. The spot of knowing. And I'm not going to ex- exhaust that because I think it will just end up being a lot of words. Get very capable. And it won't do a whole lot more good than to say this. Do you seek the Lord and say, Lord, I really want to get it? Do you, if you're struggling, if faith for you is kind of like, it's mental for you, you believe it in your mind, but you haven't experienced it in your heart in a deeper way, Lord, flood me. Lord, do something in me. And, and, you know, I don't know that outward things he does for you are going to automatically do that because he did things outwardly for Israel that were just like this. And Israel in the wilderness did not get it. And they didn't go, oh, God, I'll never doubt you again. (laughs) And if they did say it, they were lying or didn't know their own hearts. This isn't about you saying to God, show me something and I'll never doubt you again. Forget that one. Just forget that. You will doubt him again. (laughs) <laughs> to some degree. But but you can have an understanding that comes by the Holy Spirit that opens your eyes and your heart to see his glory and greatness. He may show it to you through a circumstance. You know, it's very interesting. David didn't always sense this. This also could be speaking prophetically of the book of Revelation as well. It's, and it could even be looking back at the flood of Noah in the sense that look at how big it is that he's talking about. You can make a case for that kind of fulfillment. David did not always sense God's response as he was going through something. Stay with me. David didn't always sense God's presence and his response as he was going through some things. That's why you read him crying out a bunch. Sometimes often it was after the fact. He could look back and see clearly what God did. Isn't that like you and me? But the faith we've been given is a sure thing. Because we have what Isaiah 55 calls the sure 
mercies of David. I've alluded to it recently. The sure mercies of David, <clears throat> excuse me, of David. And Jesus' prayer for us in John 17 goes right along with that. Lord, I've given you them your word and they believed. Keep them. Set them apart for your glory. I'm sending them the way you sent me. Make them one as we are one. These are glorious things. Read it till you get it. Read and not just like you read it till you get it, but read it and pray it in. Lord, Lord, make this real in my life. Do what you want to do. And then have your antenna up to see if God's trying to show you something. I'm, what I'm suggesting to you is you can if God wants to show me who he is and show me more deeply stuff, here I am, he can show me whenever he wants. You don't do anything in life like that if you do anything with any energy. You do things that are far less important with a lot more gusto than you do that. Well, if God wants to show me, here I am. <laughs> well, thanks, God says. You know, thanks for being so interested. Okay, that does go to the what you need to do. I'm sticking with it. It's still real. Verses, what's, verses 20 through 26. The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanness of my hands, he has recompensed me. For I've kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his judgments were before me, and I did not put away his statutes from me. I was also blameless before him, and I kept myself from my, from my iniquity. Therefore, the Lord has recompensed me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands in his sight. With the merciful, you will show yourself merciful. With the blameless, you will show, and with the devious, you will show yourself shrewd. And I just want to say on that last, with the merciful to the with the devious, here's the way to interpret that. You'll reap what you sow. Just that's all I need to say about it. You, a man will reap what he sows. That's what that's telling you. It's not God's mean and picky. But in this 20 through 26, if David was speaking of his own obedient behavior, um, we can see that he didn't kill Saul and he even didn't kill a guy named Nabal who deserved to die, although David would have been rash in killing him. And Abigail spoke words to him that stopped him in 2 Samuel 25. And, but, but we know that it's David can't stand on his own righteousness. There's more to the story. Uh, and other times he did show restraint and obedience, but he certainly did not do this with perfection. Some say that these type of prayers that are written earlier than 2 Samuel 11 when he sinned with Bathsheba, certainly this one is earlier. What is interesting, and this is the part that I can claim to you and show to you, David's uprightness of heart is seen at times of extreme challenge and distress. David's uprightness of heart is seen at times of extreme challenge and distress, and his failings were most often, if not always, during times of ease. Now, you don't like this any more than I do, but I'm going to say it again. David times of uprightness of heart are times when he was extremely challenged and through difficulties. And his times of failing were during times when he was at ease. What does everybody want? Ease. Trouble to go away. Like our number one goal in life, normally with humans, 
and I'm a human and you're a human, so normally with you, unless you fight it, unless you're working on it, your number one goal is for problems to go away. <laughs> That's a very dangerous way to live consistently. There are moments where, of course, you want your problems to go away, and it's okay to cry out to God. But if the number one goal in your life is for your problems to go away, I've said this a billion times, you can easily be manipulated. That is why people who understand having the information about drug use doesn't keep a person who's in great stress under peer pressure, doesn't keep them from doing drugs because they want their problems to go away. And there's a temporary fix that brings on a permanent, and you're not, like, different from those people. That's a human nature weakness thing that you and I can have. I want my problems to go away. So I just, that I can bring to you. Eventually, the, 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 the trouble pushes the true believer to God. Eventually. Trouble pushes the true believer to God eventually. The seed that Jesus talked about on shallow ground that sprang up quickly and then burnt up was not because it says the heat of the sun came and beat it, but it says the reason that it burned up was not the heat of the sun because the other plants flourished in the heat of the sun. How's your root system? How deep is your faith going? So verse 27 through 34 For you will save the humble people and bring down haughty looks. You will light my lamp. The Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. For by you I can run against a troop. By my God I can leap over a wall. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He's a shield to all who trust in him. For for who is God except the Lord and who is a rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of deer. He sets me on the high places. He teaches my hands to make war so that they are, my arm can... Uh, it's, it's hard to see David's period of, pure, <laughs> purity of heart knowing his failure, failures. I can get this out, watch. But Ben Franklin, of all people, wrote this. Many princes have sinned with David. Ben Franklin. Many princes sinned with David, but few repent with him. Isn't that great? Yeah. A man after God's own heart isn't the best way and the best thing any human can do is be quick to repent, is be repentive because none of us are above him, from Adam to everyone else. Uh, Paul describes what David is saying here. I can run against a troop and jump over a wall simply in the New Testament in Romans 8 when he says, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. How do you be more? What's more than a conqueror? It means you're preeminently victorious before it ever happens. Jesus is more than a conqueror, right? He conquered sin and death, but it wasn't like, I wonder what's going to happen. I better go down there and conquer sin and death because it might come up here and kill me. Oh, good, I conquered it. No. Jesus is in control of the universe. God is in control of the universe, and he conquered it for us. He's more. Do you like that? I love it. Then in verse 35 through 42, you have also given me the shield of your salvation. Your right hand has held me up. 
Your gentleness has made me great. You enlarged my path under my feet. Oh, under me, so my feet did not slip. I pursued the enemy and overtaken them. Neither did I turn back again till they were destroyed. I have wounded them so they could not rise. They've fallen under my feet. You have armed me with strength for battle. You have subdued under me those who rose against me. You have given me the necks of my enemies, so I destroyed those who hated me. They cried out, but there was none to save, even to the Lord, but they did not. he did not answer them. Then I beat them as fine du- as the dust before the wind. I cast them out like dirt. It's never too late to turn to God. Uh, we're speaking to people who still have a chance to choose. And then there does come a point where it's too late. If you die, it's too late. It's whatever case you were in at the moment of your death, unless God comes to you in your moment that we don't know about. And in most cases, it's at death, but some cases it's a reprobate mind, which means you're past having, uh, listening to God. You're a castaway. I don't know when that is for a person, so I don't claim that. But there are, there are times where people get to the point where there's no redemption for them because they've made their choice. 43 through 50. You have delivered me from the striving of the people. You have made me the head of the nations. A people I've not known shall serve me. As soon as they hear of me, they will obey me. The foreigners submit to me. The foreigners fade away and come frightened from their hideouts. So these are the ones that respond. The Lord lives. Blessed be my rock. Let the God of my salvation be exalted. It is God who avenges me and subdues the people under me. He delivers me from my enemies. You also lift me up above those who rise against me. You have delivered me from the violent man. Therefore, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the Gentiles. Among the Gentiles. I, therefore, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name. Great deliverance he gives to his king, which is David's talking about himself. God gives him great deliverance and shows descendants forever. So among the Gentiles, David's going to, and his descendants forever. And you know who those descendants are? Gentiles, not just Jews. That's because we know the story. Abraham, Father Abraham, in you shall all nations of the earth be blessed through David. I will give you the sure mercies. Jew and Gentile together worshiping God. The Sidonian woman in Matthew 15, and we'll be done, but stay with me. A woman that came to Jesus and said, son of David, here she is up in this upper region, not Jewish, a lot of idol worship and a lot of demons. She goes, help me, my daughter is severely uh, vexed by a demon is. <laughs> One demon, a little bit of being, she's possessed. And she is, she's severely vexed by a demon and, and come and help her. And you know, most of you know the story. Jesus resists at first because he's drawing out her faith. He goes, well, he doesn't answer her. Then the guys say, send her away. He goes, I wasn't sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. She says, truth, Lord. And she goes, but help me, Lord. Help me anyway. And he says, no, it's not right to take the children's bread and feed it to the little dogs under the table. She goes, it's true, Lord, but the little dogs even eat the crumbs. She wasn't going anywhere. She wasn't going anywhere because she had no other options that he's the son of David and he's the answer. She's a Gentile. And Jesus answers her and says, woman, let it be to you as, oh woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire and her daughter's healed from that very hour. You'll never know God is all you need till God is all you have. I don't know if that's 100% all the only way it can be, but it sure sounds right to me. Because sometimes we just have, we're in the land of options And the land of options we live in has not 
served us well. But you and I still want all the options we can get. Like we live for our options. And when I say you and I, I mean humans. We love options, and we probably have too many. Sometimes we look for more options instead of doing what we talked about in 1 Peter chapter 113. Rest your hope fully on the grace that is to be revealed to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Be sober and be vigilant and rest your hope on the grace that's to be brought to you. Because what we have to get to, if we want to actually know the God who parts the waters and shows the bottom of the sea and thunders with the clouds and all that, it's not like he's waiting for us to be superstars. It's not like there's a magic trick you do. You are my hope and nothing less and nothing else. You put yourself in the position for God to be strong for you. And when you run around looking for options, you usually take options that are lesser and that won't fix your problem, but will just make you, your life more complicated and more distressed. And so I would encourage you and I would encourage me, let us be like that woman. Truth, Lord. She wasn't offended at Jesus. She wasn't offended at Jesus. She was aware of her need enough to know that he's not going anywhere but to you. Let's stand. Let's end by singing this prayer.